This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Yes. Welcome in to a producer slash pilotless edition of Mackie and Judd and thus Reckless Speculation Thursday. Reckless speculation. To all who celebrate. Uh, it's Mackie, it's Judd. Declan is speaking to aspiring journalism students at St. Cloud State today, which could either be the <laughs> best day of their lives or the worst. We're not sure yet. Uh, Doogie has been hit hard by whatever this bug is that everyone is getting here, so he sounds like a slow-motion version of Doogie today. I don't this, know if it's uh, the bubonic plague, Phil. I don't know what the heck it is, but it is now nine days strong. I can't kick it. <laughs> Like it's drug like after drug. I've tried everything imaginable. Like seriously, if anybody has an idea that I haven't tried, please tweet me, email me, text me, whatever it is. If you're able to communicate with me, please do. But I cannot shake whatever the heck it is I have. I cannot get rid of it. It's right in right in here, dude. Because you can hear it. it's right in the throat. Right. It's. Yeah. Uh... It does sound like you you like your tape is distorted and you're talking a little bit like this, but not. It's not like. You're talking at the same speed, but the but there's more bass. Like I a think. record. Like yeah. an old school record that's been well, slowed I mean, down. I already have a deep voice. Yeah, the voice is probably a <laughs> bit deeper. But yeah, it's in my sinuses too, Jed. You're right. It's like yeah. it's in the throat. I can certainly feel it in my throat, yeah. but I feel it around my nose as well. It's mm. like one of those. I just it, don't know when it's going to leave me. Like nine days. Like yeah. uncle, mercy. I tested negative for COVID, but for all I know, maybe it's COVID. I don't know. This is like a Dateline episode where they sort of like, they blur out someone's face and then disguise their voice so that they don't get, you know, hit up by the mob that they're tattling on on national TV here. So uh, we can take advantage here of... He's in the Wolves Protection Program. What he's about to say about the Wolves will be so yeah. inflammatory that, that he's actually had his voice and identity changed. So, well, let's let's start there. The Wolves... The Suns come in, no Chris Paul. Like, they've got multiple key players injured, and uh, they just absolutely destroy the Timberwolves. Another lifeless performance, which they get booed off the court multiple times. At one point, Devin Booker actually yelled the answers to the test at the Timberwolves bench saying, we play team basketball. We share the ball. If you're the Timberwolves, you should have been taking notes when Devin Booker was yelling at you. So, um, I don't know, Doogie, what... From what you are observing and from what you've you've heard, I don't know how much people are spilling behind the scenes over there right now. What the hell is going on? And is there any sort of big move or viable change that could spark this? Or is this just the bed that they've made for the next few months? 
Well, I mean, for the next few months, Phil, it's the latter. It's not like any sort of trade is imminent. Now, I've had people say, what about calling Phoenix? Jay Crowder is just sitting there for the taking, right? Like, there's some dog there, right? You miss that dog with Patrick Beverly. Bring in Jay Crowder. But I just don't sense that Phoenix is a willing partner right now, that Phoenix wants to move him to a Western Conference team. There just isn't buzz that the Wolves have genuine interest in Jay Crowder. So outside of that, Phil, like there's not really a move to be made. Now come late January into February, yes. I do think there are going to be sellers that at that point decide to truly tank. So there will be some opportunities to strike then. But for the foreseeable future, no. Here is the most damning thing I've had at least one high-ranking Wolves official tell me. It's effort. That they're not playing hard enough. Like, are you kidding me? What do you mean that your guys aren't playing hard enough? Now, they're not playing smart enough, too. But when questioning effort, like, that's as rock bottom to me as it gets. But it's a joyless bunch. Judd, it's everything we discussed on Tuesday. It played out again. Last night, we talked about how joyless this team is. Now they are sharing the ball a bit better. But, like, it looks like, and I saw you tweet this, Judd, it looks like a collection of guys who want their coach fired. But I can just tell you, Mm. they truly enjoy Chris Finch. They really do. Now, Anthony Edwards and Finch had some rocky moments last year. I don't know if we've ever discussed that. But my understanding is Ant, and Finch are in a much better spot today than they were, say, last December or January. Like, the guys really do enjoy Chris Finch. But the way they're playing, Judd, I'm with you. It looks like they want their coach fired. But he's not getting fired anytime soon. It's really weird, though. And and on on Ant, um, it's disturbing to me that, that the word that you used is coming from a, a top-ranking Wolves official applies there, which is, again – effort and being engaged um you know with cat i guess i'm not completely shocked that he continues to put up good box scores but you definitely the eye test uh tells you something different delo has been a disaster we've talked about that but you know ant was the guy who appeared to so often previously play with joy when other guys didn't and now he's fallen into the trap, and I don't know if it's because of what the rest of the guys are doing or what, but that really concerns me because, I mean, he's still a young man, and and him being soured at this point or something being wrong is really concerning. I My, my laundry list of concerns about what we see is absolutely huge right now, and that's the problem. This doesn't look like a 25 game. Just, get, you know, get out there, throw the ball out there, and find a way to make this work. This looks like a bunch of guys who are just joyless and like they're not, the the gelling process hasn't even started yet. It's like as individuals, they appear miserable. Ant is just like, there's a lot of times I think he's just checked out, Dukes. Well, I mean, he went on record, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but very early this season, he went on the record questioning how tough it is for him to play with two bigs. When you go on the record with that, what are the conversations like behind the scenes? And like the gelling part, Judd, look at Utah. New coach, a bunch of new players. 
like they clearly worked on stuff in training camp. Like what did the Wolves do the whole month of October? I truly question that. You think about Cleveland, my guy J.B. Bickerstaff, Donovan Mitchell comes in. That's been a seamless transition. So I'm not buying this. We need time to figure things out. I get it. Cat missed time in the preseason. He missed training camp. Gobert needed to rest after overexerting himself in Euro basket. I understand some of those things. But at some point, we need to move past these excuses. Like, and you look at the upcoming schedule at Memphis, at Cleveland. Okay, at Orlando, although Orlando beat Dallas last night, but you should be able to win next week at Orlando. But then you have games against Philadelphia, Miami. Like, are we looking at a run here when we talk this time next week of the Wolves losing something like eight of nine games? Man. And remember, these first 12 to 13 games, this was supposed to be the easy portion of their schedule. All these home games, all those games against the Thunder, you know, the one against Houston, the games against the Spurs, these were supposed to be easy games. So I'm sick of hearing the four and nine comparison to last year. And oh, by the way, the expectations this year were far greater than 46 wins. So they started four and nine last year, got to 46, had to fight scratch claw just to be the seventh seed just to have that home game in the play-in tournament. The expectations this year, whether stated or not, certainly behind the scenes were, we will finish in the top four of the Western Conference. We will have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Then we'll take our chances. No guarantees thereafter, but that we feel like we've assembled a roster that can be one of the four best in the Western Conference. At this point, I get it. It's still relatively early. But, like, would anybody bet on the Wolves? being a top-four team at this point in the Western Conference, I still think there's a legitimate pathway to being a top-ten team, you know, bare minimum being a play-in team, you know. But, like, could you imagine, worst-case scenario, Phil, could you imagine if the Wolves end up in the lottery then somehow get lottery luck? This is a transformational draft next June. Could you imagine if the Wolves end up with a top-four pick? God forbid, the number-one pick. But if they end up with a top four pick, then you need to convey that pick to the Utah Jazz, who, oh, by the way, very well could be a playoff team. Like, I could not have been more wrong about Utah. Yeah. Well, I think now, I'm not quite yeah. sure they will finish top six. But, like, to me, Utah for sure is in the play-in, bare minimum, maybe higher. Maybe they do finish in the top six. But, like, to me, they finish somewhere at least – between 7 and 10, but could you imagine that nightmare scenario if the Wolves need to convey a top-four pick to the Utah Jazz? Oh, my God. Or uh, or, or Jazz-Wolves in a play-in game or something. You know, I could, I could see. I mean, the Jazz have a bunch of professional basketball players, which is something that I think a lot of us, me included, overlooked. Real quick, so I am, I am done with D'Angelo Russell. I was done at times last year. I was done after the playoff series. I am a hundred percent done with him. He is a he is not a winning player. And what I mean, there's a lot of for some reason D'Lo has all these defenders on social media. I don't know if there's just like a wave of D'Lo defender bots out there. But well, what about that season in Brooklyn? Well, what about last year? Okay, I'm not talking about winning at a 41 win pace or a 46 win pace. I mean winning big in the NBA. He's never come anywhere near it. And in the two seasons where he did go to the playoffs. He's been atrocious in the playoff series. 
He is a losing basketball player. I am done with him. And so I guess my question now is, what can you do with him? Can you, could you, I would legitimately consider giving Jordan McLaughlin, who's not perfect, he didn't play a lot or well last night, but I would give him the starting job to shake up the starting lineup. And that, and I would sit D'Lo down and say, listen, uh, you can either not play or you can come in with the second unit and give some sort of scoring punch and try and rejuvenate this contract season for yourself. We will also be looking to move your expiring contract to a team that wants to clear cap space next summer. So my question to you, Doogie, is how would he handle? Because I think it's coming, dude. I don't think he's. I don't think he's got the rights to start all year if he keeps playing like this. So I think he might actually get removed from the starting lineup at some point. But what are your options? His contract is fairly valuable to a team looking to move off maybe a bad longer contract. So. Are there options out there for you to move him, just extract him from the situation in the next couple months or sooner? Um, and what would you have to take back? What would you have to sort of close your eyes and shield and say, swallow hard and say, all right, we'll, we'll take that back just to get rid of D'Lo? Well, I mean, you would have to take back longer-term money. You're right. There are teams that would say, okay, we would welcome creating that salary cap space for next summer. This fits more into the reckless speculation Thursday theme because there certainly isn't any legitimate steam on this. But reckless you think about a guy like Terry Rozier yeah. with the Charlotte Hornets. Now, LaMelo Ball is still out, right? So Charlotte may want to see Ball with Rozier more, you know, see where they're at in a month or two once Ball is back. But, like, Charlotte seems to be stuck in middle purgatory. Where exactly is Charlotte going? Right? So that's the sort of idea. Heck, would Brooklyn at some point entertain moving off the Ben Simmons contract? I can't, I can't do that. I mean, you right? can't put him in Gobert. On and the I couldn't do that just based on his injury history, the way he's playing right now. I would not want to bring on that Ben Simmons contract yeah, right he, now. Now, remember, Gerson Rosas tried hard. Gerson wanted Ben Simmons badly, but... Right now, I couldn't do something like that. I still wonder, with Danny Ainge in Utah, with this transformational center, the 7'3 Frenchman, that is said to be the best pro prospect in decades, like going back to LeBron James. Now maybe Zion, you know, depending on you know how you want to debate yeah. it. But this Victor guy is off the charts, like 7'3", and he's a legit three-point shooter. Like, Utah at some point may say, you know what, this is fun, but let's pull the cord. So could you somehow get Mike Conley Jr., who has an extra year on his contract? Now, one for one, Conley for Russell doesn't work, so you'd have to make the money work. But it would be that sort of Maybe they'll kick Vando back. Idea. They'll kick Vando back I will tell you this much, Phil. <laughs> I've never gotten the sense that Tim Connolly has any true interest in extending Russell. Yeah. Now, I was told he was open-minded, right, that you can look at it and say, okay, Russell has never played with a center like Gobert. Let's see this play out. Russell's in a contract year. If we end up winning 52, 53 games, achieve that goal of being a top-four team in the West, it's not like we have cap flexibility. We can then extend him. So let's see. Let's see if this thing plays out to the extent that we think it can play out. That Connolly was open-minded. But I've just never gotten the sense that Tim Connolly is a big D'Angelo Russell fan. 
So sure, at some point, if you're Tim, you try to move off Russell. Now, Phil, you say he's a losing player. Yeah. What exactly is Carl Anthony Towns? That's also what I was a, ask. All, he's yeah. also eight years. He's in. also a losing player. Unless, unless right, I well, will Kendrick say this. Perkins, Kendrick Perkins, who has a loud voice, certainly he is knowledgeable, ESPN talking head. He tweeted last night, "It's time to trade Cat. Yeah. It's time to build this thing around Ant." Well, let me let me let me add a just uh, some clarification here. Much like Andrew Wiggins was a losing player when put in a a spot too high on the rung of the team's pecking order. Andrew Wiggins as the guy or as the number two losing player, losing team. Andrew Wiggins as the third or fourth guy in a role player mode. Don't worry about carrying the franchise on your back. Just go and cut and defend and shoot corner threes and play with some energy. Okay, now he becomes a winning piece. And I, I mean, Kevin Love, there's there's a lot of similarities to Carl Anthony Towns' Kevin Love in that the box scores are insane on a nightly basis, but they don't come anywhere near translating to team wins. Then you take Kevin Love out of the spotlight of being the man on the Timberwolves. All right, now you're going to be like the third guy on Cleveland's teams. You don't have to worry about carrying the franchise. Just go do like two or three things really well and stay under the radar. Boom, all of a sudden he's a perfect fit for 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 Cleveland and winning championships. I actually think Carl Anthony Towns in the right circumstance and you'd like it to happen here cuz he he is a good player in terms of just like his skills. But there he's kind of put in this position where he's the spokesman after every game and he kind of sets the culture with this weird he has this sort of weird personality and gives out these weird vibes. He's flailing every time there's contact. Anthony Edwards the other night dudes made a comment. It was like I think it was after the Knicks loss. And, uh, and he said, you know, he's called the team soft. He said, we give out these soft vibes. Every time we get bumped, we overreact and flail. Me included, he said. But who is he talking about? He's talking about Cat. It's not a mystery who he's talking about. Well, I mean, about. Jimmy Butler was right, right? Jimmy didn't do a good job of delivering the message, but the message wasn't wrong. I'm with you, Phil. There's enough talent there. That skill set for a seven-footer, that can translate. But it can't necessarily translate when you're the alpha, right? You can't be the main guy. But can Cat go on and have a successful career, a winning career? Absolutely. Now, with D'Angelo, like, what is that role? Is that a sixth-man type role? Like, is he ever truly a starter on a really good team? And playing high level, no, because because it, it would happen, guard, right? Th- th- this has been a D'Lo Cat team for four years, see that. and they hit. I yeah, don't. This is I don't know what more evidence we need. Like D'Lo and Cat as guys who take up that much money in a salary cap, guys who are that frontal, who play that many minutes, who are leading the team. It is it has maxed out. It has maxed out, and that's why they brought in Gobert. I think they need to be careful on losing yes. Ant. Like there is something to be said that's about. When do you Agreed. pull the cord? Now, the Wolves are not pulling the cord like some sort of monumental trade anytime this season. Like, I'm just telling you, like, things would have to go way, way, way further south for them to even consider trading Carl Anthony Towns. But I just fear that at some point you could lose and Start with D'Lo then. So there is something to be said. Kendrick Perkins isn't alone in that opinion that it's time to build around Ant. Now... Short-term, Phil, I'm with you. Jordan McLaughlin needs to start tomorrow night in Memphis. He just has to. I don't know if the Wolves are willing to consider that. 
they do discuss lineup scenarios behind the scenes, but will they truly implement a change like that? I need to see it to believe it. But that, to me, is an obvious move. Jordan McLaughlin needs to be in the starting lineup tomorrow. The other thing I would do, I would get Luca Garza up from Iowa. I would play Luca Garza. Yeah. Yeah. I just would. Great eyebrows. We saw enough in the preseason. He's in phenomenal shape. There's a good ball player there. See if he can give you some sort of jolt. I'm not saying he will, but it's something that I would at least try. So those are two immediate moves I would make. But undoubtedly, like it has to happen. Jordan McLaughlin in the starting lineup. I think to save some pride there, too, what you do is you, you call D'Lo in today and say, God, that was too bad that, that, that you uh, turned your ankle last night. And he said, I didn't turn my ankle. He said, yeah, you did. Um, so that you don't demote him outright yet. Because, yeah. like, this this is all going to be now, Dukes, a balancing act, too, with personalities, egos, etc. The other thing with Cat, though, is, and this has been probably Cat's biggest problem here, and I think the ship has sailed, and this and this is the problem between him doing it here and him uh, doing it in a place like a Golden State or something, like Andrew did where he gets a fresh start, is, and, and this is the one thing that's become abundantly clear when I'm at games, None of the key Wolves players understand their role. And Cat is the biggest problem in that because that it translates to off the court. Cat thinks that his teammates want him to lead. So he's the captain. So he gets up there and he talks. And it's the same word diarrhea every single time. Um, he's playing, you, you know what? Much like with Kirk, with Zimmer, he's playing the role of what he thinks a star should be. He's not doing it from a place of, I know what I'm talking about. And on the floor right now, watch Cat play. He has no, what we thought was going to be his role and how he plays are very different things because he has no idea what he's supposed to do. He has no clue. And, and the one thing that drives me absolutely crazy is he is a very talented guy. He's incredibly talented. And he can make, for instance, some good passes. But these periods where he thinks he's magic out there and he's flailing the ball around is some of the dumbest basketball I've seen. He's made some passes that are just completely irresponsible and stupid because he doesn't understand, okay, here's what you're supposed to do. And my issue is this. Can Finch and the coaching staff get him to a place where he does? Because so far... It's never happened here. He's never truly, unless it's just a small period of time, he often gets outside himself as far as understanding what his role is supposed to be. Well, I mean, eight years in, I'm not confident it's ever going to be fully figured out here. Mm -hmm. It may take a change of scenery. The offensive fouls need to stop. Last night, his second foul. How obvious was it? Judd, you were there. Mikael Bridges is on him. How obvious was it the way Bridges was getting up into him that he was going to hit him with his elbow on a shot? Like, Cat, it was so easy to see. Then right after that, he gets whistled for his third foul. Now, that was not a foul. Chris Finch, to me, should have challenged. I know coaches don't like to challenge early in a game, but considering the circumstances, Chris Finch blew it last night, not challenging that third Cat foul. Mm -hmm. Because that wasn't a foul. That would have been overturned. He could have stayed on the court. That game really changed last night when Cat picked up his third foul. I still think, Judd, even though I agree with a lot of what you just laid out, I still think pecking order-wise, 
when listing the issues with this team, Cat overall is not like one, two, three, or even maybe even four on my list. Like it's D'Lo. It's Ant's lack of engagement. It's not playing hard. It's not closing out on shots. Yeah. Like they give up so many open looks. Now they've won some games when, you know, the other team just hasn't made shots. Yes. But they have to stop giving up so many open looks. The ball movement has been better this week. I know it's hard to believe when you lose two home games by double digits, but the ball movement has improved. But that was an issue through the first seven or eight games. I'm just saying, I think overall, Cat, he's not one, two, or even three. You know, if you want to make a case, maybe four on the list. I don't think he's top three, though, why this team is five and Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I, it's it's so hard because, again, he's he's he puts up these efficient box scores, and, and he, he looks like a great – if you didn't watch the games or if you didn't sort of sense the vibes that he gives off that permeate throughout the team, you would think, oh, man, like yeah, that guy, wow. Because I've kind of thought this for years. I mean, look at this guy. Look at how efficient he is. He's one of the most efficient offensive players. His advanced analytics translate uh, on paper. So I agree with you that there's other things that are that are just like bigger uh, holes to plug in the interim. But if you're looking for solutions at some point, he's the most valuable chip that you could move, recoup some of the things you got you, know, you had to give up in the Rudy Gobert trade, and maybe open things up for Anthony Edwards if you want to give him the key. But part of the you know another thing here too, Doogie is I think a lot of people hope that Anthony Edwards, 21 years old, that the year three leap would include him. Kind of this would be his team. He's not emotionally. Uh, he's just not ready to do that yet. I don't. I don't want people to go too far and say, "Well, that means that he's." You need to be patient with these guys. Sometimes it might take five or six years before they become that player. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, he just know. turned twenty-one. Right now, I get it. His one year in college that was a losing team, right? So, like, when's the last time? I guess back in high school or AAU that Anthony Edwards won at a truly high level, but like he's 21. You're right. Let's give him some time. That's why, you know, there is legitimacy to the idea of, okay, let's build around him. Right. Right. Like there's enough there. We've seen enough. Let's build around him. Let's trade cat to the New York Knicks. Again, this fits the reckless speculation oh. Thursday theme. Not like there's actual dialogue, oh. this. but oh, Leon great, Rose, that's former agent running the Knicks. Not the Tibbs. Which contract ever, are we taking you know, back? It's been led to believe that Tibbs is a big cat fan, but Leon Rose is, yeah. right? Yeah. The Knicks weren't able to complete the Donovan Mitchell trade, but the Knicks have all these first-round picks. Yeah, I'm just telling you, Get if it ever back. got to that point, I bet the Knicks would put three first-round picks on the table. They would put Obi Toppin on we the gotta table. we got to take a contract, though. I wouldn't want R.J. Barrett, but – you could get another young piece from New York, maybe multiple young I do pieces. Like, like if you wanted to trade Cat, you could trade Cat. Interesting. Hey, um, so so to go, go back on Cat though. So Dukes, I'm not saying that he is an immediate problem as far as as like what what he does statistically or as a player necessarily. Uh, I but I am saying that Cat is so when when we say losing player, I think a, a, I think a very fair question is. What does that mean exactly? Like, 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 let's let's boil that down a bit. And here's my opinion of Cat. Cat does set a tone, and and Cat does very much have an impact on this team. And Cat is your star player. But in my opinion, the tone is a cloud. It's a rain cloud. 
that hangs over constantly with whining and flopping to the floor and complaining to officials and last night getting a really stupid technical. Um, so that to me is a losing player. When can you overcome obstacles ever? And my answer on Cat is almost never. And that's my problem. And I'm going to tell you something too, because we, we've heard a lot of, of uh, you know, something seems wrong in the locker room, something seems off and we clearly aren't there. But I'm going to give you one small thing that I think is publicly smoldering, but might be a fire behind the scenes. When Cat, as the unofficial spokesman for this team, I'm the leader, I'm going to get this turned around. When he comes out in a post-game press conference and points to Ant and the Popeyes thing, okay? Mildly funny, not very smart, but let's not dismiss. Ant is a young man who's prideful. And, and Ant is playing on a team where he knows Cat is the guy. And after a crappy performance by everybody, including Cat's friend D'Lo, he says... This guy doesn't eat right. When Ant's thing is, true or not, no, I actually have for like two years, dude. Those are the things where where when we say, what's going on behind the scenes? Why is there a distance? Why is there a... That to me, and fans might be like, oh, come on, Judd. This is typical Judd. You know, you're panicking. You're, but no, but no. We, have, we have seen... Sm- there's, there's something there. And, keep going. Yeah, yeah there's well, definitely something here with what you're and saying. And keep in mind, when Kat says that, that to us is like... Okay, that's an interesting thing, but that usually means the frustration behind the scenes is greater. All I'm saying is Carl is, is I think, very much a guy that sets a tone here, but I don't think it's ever positive. And that becomes a cloud over a team and, and an Eeyore type of personality that drags athletes down. Last point, case in point, the Vikings. A big reason why I think the Vikings are good, why they are creating their own luck, look at the personality of this team now. Look at how much fun this team has. Um, You cannot just throw human beings out there and say, you are a fantasy basketball team. Look at your stats. So I actually think the Popeyes thing was underplayed because to me that, that reeks of something far deeper that to your point, Dukes, is affecting a guy like Ant, and now you're actually taking him down a path that you do not want him to go down. Well put. I do think there's something to be said about those Popeye's comments. Now, we'll never get any sort of confirmation. I don't even think on background, but certainly on the record. But, like, Cat is supposed to be the team leader. Like, who looks at Cat? in that locker room as the true leader Nobody. of this team. I don't know who the leader is. Nobody does. I know Tory and Prince is trying to take on some of those qualities. That's tough. Austin Rivers has leadership qualities, but he doesn't play enough, although he played well on Monday. Then he was sick last night, although if he's not sick, he would have played last night. Mm-hmm. So maybe at some point if Austin Rivers plays more, guys can gravitate toward him. But truly, who is the leader on this team and the word on Gobert from people in Utah was good dude, likable dude, but teammates did not embrace him as any sort of leader. So I don't think he's going to be a leader here, certainly not anytime real soon. So really, who is the team leader? Last year, we knew it was Pat Bev. Who is it this year? I don't think they have one. All right. I've, uh, I, uh, by the way, I was. Absolutely in full agreement with Judd's point there. 
it's so hard though because it's hard to it's hard to quantify some of the things that we are saying but there's just to the point when you talk about vibes vibes matter in sports locker room vibes the vikings are a top three nfl vibes team this year right you got kirk with the chain celebrating chemistry kevin o'connell bringing everything together this team so far through the first 12 games or whatever it's been the vibes are uncomfortable at best and maybe toxic at worst. So I, I agree. And some of this is too. It's like we all of us, the three of I us. I don't think it's quite toxic yet, Phil. Okay. Now, if they're 5 and 12, 5 and 13, if this losing streak spirals out of control, we can revisit this topic. I don't think it's quite toxic yet. Uh, I, I have spent the last few minutes too just kind of ruminating on Nick's trades just for fun here. We could maybe do this every week until they fix it. It's just like what kind of what kind of trades would be available out there? So if you decided at some point if you wanted to trade uh Carl Anthony Towns to the Knicks, let's say I, I I agree with you. That's not something that would happen until next summer. I think they're gonna move off Delo this year, like to to get some value back for that contract. Um but if you did decide to trade Cat in the season, here's the trade that would probably have to happen with the Knicks. I, they're not trading Jalen Brunson, obviously. I don't think they would trade Julius Randle, but maybe. You tell me. Would they Would they move off? Oh, I think they would trade Julius Randle. Okay. Yeah, I do. I don't know if I'd want him, but they I know. Would trade that's him. the thing. So, But let's, let's just say, because I don't know that you're interested in, in signing up for basically four years of Julius Randle here. Part of this would be creating some freedom. Um. You'd have to match $33 million in, in salary. Evan Fournier is $18 million, and 34-year-old Derrick Rose is $14 million with a team option next year, so he would come off your books. So you basically, like, a half season of Derrick Rose off the bench or something helping to run point. And then uh, two guaranteed years of Evan Fournier, who's a, 30 point, a 30-year-old three-point shooter. Yeah, he's whatever. He's just like a – he's kind of just a guy, but he can shoot some threes. But you'd be on the hook for him for two yeah, years. I mean, I wouldn't want him, but you got a match salary to make the money work, I suppose, yeah. but I certainly would not want him. Uh, unless unless they're going to trade four years of Mitchell Robinson, who's 24 years old. Again, some of this is what would they do? And then draft picks. You'd be essentially trying to get a couple first round draft picks back, right? I don't think you're getting well, four. Well, you would get more but... than two. You'd get three at least. The question is, could you get four? <sighs> Boy, I don't know, man. I mean, if you can get three first round picks. And you have to take back a couple weird contracts for Cat. It's definitely not a, a win this season move, but if it gets you value back and it frees things up for Ant. I mean, these are the types. We're early on this, but these are the types oh, very of things early. you yeah, have I mean, you're to right. start I mean, thinking about. At the earliest, about. we're talking next June. But I'm just telling you, Phil, I'd be shocked if you couldn't get at least three. Hmm. Like, the question would be, could it be four? Could you get four with also a pick swap? But, like, that's the price. There's enough... There's enough out there, fans-wise, of Cat. Like, and it wouldn't just be the Knicks. I just I, I point to the Leon Rose connection. New York still seemingly chasing a star. Couldn't complete the deal for Mitchell. You know, Cat's ties to the East Coast. I just think the Knicks would be in those sweepstakes for sure. But, like, Toronto was in on Gobert. You know, Chicago had some interest in Gobert. You know, so those would be two other franchises I would look at. But New York has all that first-round capital. Right, that's why the Knicks seem like a logical trade target, but like you could come up with some other, some other scenarios. But Phil, I'm telling you, like you would get at least three first round picks and a catch. Interesting. Uh, rapid fire scoops. Anything else in your bag here? 
Well, the Vikings did send a pretty nice contingency down to Texas on Tuesday for Adam Zimmer's funeral. Mm. I mean, that situation is as sad as it gets. So Texas? You know, just, yeah, and, you know, just the way he was found dead, right? This wasn't a suicide. And so just the details are are so sad. But, yeah, Harrison Smith went down, Troy Dye, some former coaches – uh, some other people. The Vikings sent a contingency of, of over 15 wow. people. So I'm glad the Vikings did that on Tuesday. Judd, we talked on Tuesday about Dalvin Tomlinson. I wasn't shocked, right? Like, based on what I said on Tuesday, I wasn't shocked that he didn't practice on Wednesday. I know Kevin O'Connell said week to week, but my sense is it's been more of a multi-week situation. Right. Now, I think there's a better chance he plays than Cam Dantzler, who's still in a boot. On Sunday, but like he doesn't play. To me, I'm not sure we see Tomlinson on Sunday. Now, Garrett Bradbury didn't practice yesterday. My understanding is he'll play on Sunday. Clearly, by the way, if you guys have been looking at the line, Phil, I'm sure you have. The way that line keeps yeah. going down, Vegas always knows, right? Like Case Keenum is playing on Sunday. Josh Allen is not playing in this game yeah. based on the way the line has plummeted from like nine to like three and a half or four. Right, so like I will be surprised if if Josh Allen plays on Sunday. Yeah. Great stuff, Dukes. This is what reckless speculation is built on. It's all about Thursdays. Right Ethan Kellickmanis time on Saturday. He is going to play. The question is if Tanner Morgan no. is cleared. No. Does he get a series or two, something like no. that? Then heading into Senior Day a week from Saturday. But Ethan Kellickmanis is going to play on Saturday against Northwestern, a homecoming for Northwestern running back Evan Hall the Maple Grove running back, one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. He'll have 40 family and friends in attendance at Huntington Bank Stadium on Saturday. Right. Roll the boat, Sky Yama. Let's get it. Go Gophers. Go Pinstripe Bowl. Have fun in New York, everyone. All right, Doogie. Go uh, get some tea. All right, boys. Rest Take up. it easy. We'll See talk you, to you for uh, next week's session. Thanks, boys. All right. Yep. Have a great week. Reckless yeah. Speculation Thursday here. Um We'll throw dukes out here. Boom, boom, boom. So uh, that was presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated's been around for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, helping businesses maximize their level of success. They're all about risk management tools and resources, like having a great offensive line for your business. Find out how they can help your business at federatedinsurance.com, or it's our business to protect yours. All right. Reckless Speculation Thursday here. and uh, Reckless Speculation. This isn't necessarily like trade or free agency speculation. It's more uh, end-of-season award speculation here. Mm-hmm. And we'll start with an article from our guy Dane Mizutani from the Pioneer Press entitled, Forget Kirko Chains, which is his, it's his nickname when he's got his shirt Ultra off personality, Kirko. Yeah, it's time to call Kirk Cousins an MVP candidate. I'm going to read you a couple things here. Uh, It might sound crazy to use Cousins and MVP in the same sentence, especially considering he's been the standard for average quarterback play in the NFL for much of his career. To that point, Cousins at the ripe old age of 34 deserves credit for changing the narrative this season, his 11th as a pro. He's been the personification of clutch and is the biggest reason the Vikings are a perfect 6-0 and in games decided by a single possession. And then if you go over to, like, Bet Online, there's a few places you can find these odds. Kirk Cousins right now has the sixth best odds to win the 2022 
MVP award. Josh Allen is even money. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts is five to one. Patrick Mahomes is seven and a half to one. Lamar Jackson nine to one. Herbert twenty to one. Kirk Cousins a long shot at twenty five to one, but sixth best odds to win Most Valuable Player. What do you think? So I know where this is coming from, like a, a like a place of of the team's been successful. They've been you know record wise really good, and when that happens, the quarterback gets credit. Uh, but Kirk Cousins is in no way, shape, or form, in my opinion, an MVP candidate because this is all about the team itself. And Kirk's done a great job at doing what Kirk should should do. So like, I think it's funny because you know statistically as we've discussed previously quite a bit, this is one of his worst years, which I'm fine with. I'm not criticizing him. He's been great. He's been great for what he's supposed to, to do. And I understand the, the MVP thought process, but I mean, Phil, when like you look at it, you look at what he's done, it's been impressive. But like, if we're talking MVP, right? Kirk Cousins is in, in my opinion, in no way what we would consider to be the traditional one. Now, has he been a great teammate? Absolutely. Has has he has he been a clutch player? Absolutely. But you know, when we're talking about the top of the list of MVP candidates for the 2022 season, half uh, basically halfway through, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't in that conversation, in my opinion. But I get I get the steam for it. So, okay, I partially agree, partially disagree with you. If you start to look at what, you know, what is it? Because we actually did a, a full Purple Daily on this before the season when some of the MVP odds came out. And there were, and it wasn't like Michael Irvin was calling him an MVP. And there was a couple yep. other guys. Like Michael Irvin said he's going to be the MVP back in August, if I remember correctly. Something like that. And so we, we reacted to that on Purple Daily and kind of went through, all right, well, let's go down that path for a second. What, what does the DNA of an MVP quarterback look like? What does that resume look like? And almost always it's 11 or more regular season wins, which Kirk Cousins has never been a part of that, mm-hmm. but they're tracking for that this year. Mm-hmm. It's 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 also putting up big numbers and even right. like the perception that you are changing games at the end, maybe you're changing losses into wins through clutch performances at the end of games. So there's there has to be a certain level of team success individual clutchness, and then overall individual numbers and statistics. If those are the three bins, he's checking two of those boxes right now. So big team win total. You're not going to give the MVP award to a, to a nine or an eight win team right. unless someone just puts up insane numbers across the board. It's almost always 11, 12, 13 win teams that produce MVP. So, so okay, how many teams are going to win? 12 or more games or 11 or more games. Not that many. It's like a handful of teams. So already, like, the list of candidates shrinks. Okay, well, he currently leads the NFL in fourth-quarter comebacks this year with four. What if he gets, like, two or three more, and he, all of a sudden he has seven fourth-quarter comebacks He's at the end of the year? Absolutely clutch. But you— your third one's the important one. I, but, I think the th- he, but Judd, the third one is the one that he's been great at his whole career, which is putting up box score numbers. And, and so, what if all of a sudden he starts putting up box score numbers? Well, that, then, oh, that, yes, then it changes. But and, and I don't care about the stats, but but the voters do. So, like when we're really t- talking about this, do I think he's been great? 
Absolutely, I personally do. But like when we're talking about the award itself, that third bin. Now, if that changes and he statistically starts to light up the box score and continue to win, then it completely changes. And yes, he definitely becomes a candidate. I'm just saying as of right now, the the stats would be held against him, fair or not. Because I love this guy. Like, this is what I've wanted. But when we're talking about is he an MVP candidate, which is an award that is voted on by writers, I think it's 50, who sit down and crunch a bunch of things, including stats, those stats aren't there yet. And that's why I don't think that he, he would be, I mean, he might be in the the um, um, outside of the conversation, just outside of it, but he's not going to get a ton of steam unless those stats change. And if that does, well, then it's on. He currently ranks, just to see where he kind of stacks up with these stats, He's he will have to improve these numbers. He currently ranks 15th in passer rating. That's not a number that, I would use, you know, as like the gospel for great quarterback performance. But, you know, you got to have a big passer rating if you want to win MVP. He has an 89.5 passer rating. That's not winning you an MVP. Correct. Tua leads the NFL at 115.9. That is a number that would get people's attention if the Dolphins finish like 11 and 6 or whatever. Uh, so he is, so he's basically, uh, what, 40, 35 points off of the the top quarterback rating. And Jalen Hurts is number two. Geno Smith has a 107.2 pass rating. Hmm. In terms of yardage, Cousins is 13th in the NFL this season. Touchdown passes, he is 10th. So some of these numbers, even if it's garbage time, will have to improve if he wants to climb the MVP candidate odds. But the team success is the thing that has prevented him from maybe being in that conversation when the numbers were great. But, of course, the numbers that were great, if you dig a little deeper, and we've done this a million times on Purple Daily, uh, third down success, you know, clutch, you know, last four minutes of the fourth quarter, he, he kind of disappears in those big moments or against the best teams. But to, to something else you were saying, and I do agree with this, it does feel like the the team and the infrastructure that is being built here is elevating Kirk more than Kirk is just dragging a collection along, right? It doesn't feel like, oh, man, if it wasn't for Kirk, this buffoon head coach and this awful offensive line and these weapons, like he's he's making these receivers a lot of money. It feels like the whole water level has risen in large part because of Kevin O'Connell and the defense is playing a little bit better too. and And so... Kirk's boat is rising along with all the other boats. Not, oh, Kirk is right. Kirk didn't filling take, the pool right. with water and raising right. all the boats on yeah. his own, you know? Kirk didn't take this team by the lapels himself and say, okay, screw it. It's Kirko time. Which, by the <laughs> way, I think that's hilarious. Uh, but yes, O'Connell has, has unlocked a lot here. Which is why I do think, despite the success of Philadelphia and the Giants, I think O'Connell right now, in my opinion, is coach of the year in this league because what he has done is really impressive and I applaud Kirk I mean Kirk's done a fantastic job of doing what we have asked for years now uh but yes in the nuanced conversation that can win you the MVP um those stats aren't going to get you the the votes uh Tua also to go back to that it's an interesting case because of this I believe that when he starts he is six and one 
So, like, you're going to look at Tua and the Dolphins and be like, mm-hmm. geez, when Tua didn't start, this was a really average football team. When Tua starts, they're really good. And so it's things like that. Now, to Kirk's credit, he does not miss time. Yeah. Which there there was, I saw some stuff this week about, you know, we should give Kirk credit for his toughness. I don't think anyone's ever said that guy's not tough. Do you? Like, we've always talked about it. The fact that he has started every game except for the COVID, and then he sat out a game because the playoff position in 2019. Besides that, I mean, that is one, that to me is the single most oppressive thing about his career is the fact that he does not miss time and there's no way that he has started every game healthy. Yeah, I think there's there's a little bit of a hair to split here. He's very durable. Yep. And he's pretty tough cuz he does take some hits. Mm-hmm. But he's also pretty good at avoiding big hits. He's he's cerebral in that way. He, you you don't see Peyton Manning throughout his career. He's actually kind of like that in terms of just career preservation. But do I think of him as when I think of tough quarterbacks I think of guys that are going to stand in there against pressure all day long, get the brakes beat off of them, and then come back with a fourth-quarter game-winning drive anyways. That version of Kirk exists this year and some of last year kind of in a vacuum. That version did not necessarily exist the first three years as a Viking. It felt like he was – and he's still a little skittish against pressure. He doesn't exactly perform at a peak level against pressure, but he's, he's passable. So I think he's very durable. I think he's shown some major moments of toughness. I'm not going to like put him in the Brett Favre Toughness Hall of Fame or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on the coach of the year, I just pulled this up. Nick Sirianni is the absolute odds-on favorite right now to be coach of the year. He's a minus 135. And then Kevin O'Connell is number two at plus 650. So Sirianni, Sirianni, Sirianni. And then Kevin O'Connell, Brian Dable, Pete Carroll, Robert Sala, Mike McDaniel and Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, who is top on a lot time of to change firing that. lists. <laughs> there's times to change that for well, Mike. Well, he's safe. He's not getting fired in season anymore at this point. No, but I mean, he certainly could uh, accidentally submarine two or three games. Yes, he's got that ability. I just think what O'Connell has done with with a roster largely intact from two miserable years, and with Kirk, especially at Kirk's age, is really impressive. Yep. I agree. Yep. It's and it does, but people take that as a knock too, like the Cousins Crusaders. Well, of course you're not going to give Cousins credit. Like, oh yeah, guys, we're already getting pushback about that. This is all about the Vikings, and yes, Kirk deserves some credit, but Kevin O'Connell comes in here, changes a lot of cultural things. He's got, I think, and we'll go through some of the numbers on the state of the offense on Purple Daily today too. But um, yeah, so I guess my grand point here is. I think he has a better shot at MVP than you do because I think the only box that's left to be checked is the box that he loves checking throughout his career. Big numbers. Yep. There's not been a lot of garbage time. If they can create more garbage time moments for him, he can continue to stockpile numbers. But they need to get out to some big leads. I was going to say, they have to take 20-point leads, <laughs> which this team never does. Yeah. Or at least like Or they need to, to be trailing points. or something, and he needs to be... You know, they're down by 20, and he puts up a 400-yard game trying to come back in the second half or something like that. So, um, You got any purple positivity candles over there? You got any uh, Got any left in the Judd Zolgad store? Dawn got them. Dawn got them, and she has, has used them all. Guess what? Because they are so great. They make our house smell great. They're very cool. And if you're saying right now, purple positivity candle, what's that, Judd? I'm going to tell you. From our friends at Spiral Light Candles, 
we started these actually when the season began and and i talked about the fact that they were there in good or bad because a candle will help calm you down but i mean at seven and one this season's been a celebration and how do you celebrate you burn a purple positivity candle after each win and Spiralite, they've also got candles for the holidays, for uh, Christmas gifts, for birthday gifts. Spiralightcandles.com, spiralightcandles.com. Go to the site, check out the uh, out the choices. They're fantastic. And again, if you're a, a Vikings fan, Purple Positivity Candle might be atop your list as a gift. Spiralightcandles.com. All right. Uh, that's your Mackie and Judd Reckless Speculation Thursday. We will have a flagrant howls episode later today. Kyle, I, I Kyle mean, and I were just doom scrolling Twitter last night, just texting each other, just seething. We're ready to. They're so bad that there's session. a lot to talk about. That's the thing is, like, it's been yeah. so so bad. It's not like boring. It's just it's alarming. Yeah, it's well. At some point though, it's just going to turn to apathy again. Sure. Oh, I yeah, knew this- there was going to be some. It wasn't just going to be like a smooth sailing, you know, ten and two record through twelve games, but. This is, yeah. I don't no know. One's coming to save the day. I don't know how much he can say it because he doesn't officially own the team, but he certainly ha- has a stake. But I tweeted this last night, Mark Laurie. I'd love to hear what you think of this, because I don't think he's going to take this. I, I mean, he's not in this just for the fun of it, or like, I mean, this is this is clearly a passion. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, he clearly had a big role in a lot of things here. Like, it's not like, oh, oh, you traded for Gobert. I didn't know, know that was coming. Yeah. I would really like to know, because I think he's going to be a proactive dude here. And he, this cannot be, this, when you're seeing your team boot off the floor in an arena that you would really like to replace because your team is good, that's got to be um, disconcerting. I did hear him. He was on a friend of the show, Craig Kilborn's podcast last week. And Lord Kilby was asking him a couple questions, like throughout a fifty-minute discussion about, you know, the, the kind of the rough start. And he did say, like, he didn't get too much into it, but he said, "Yeah, it's we're not definitely not time to freak out or anything. It's just you got you got to let this thing play out." I I am curious to see though, is he going to be knee-jerk guy at some point, or is he going to be patient guy? My guess is he's going to lean toward more patient because throughout his building businesses in the past, he's. And the, and the businesses he's building now, it's like long, it's all long-term view stuff that he has gotten into. Wolves so. fans don't have time for that. They'll disappear again. But 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 just making dumb reactions is also going to, that's going to make it worse. Yes. But, the, right. but the one thing you can do right away is just extract D'Lo from the situation. Right. It, he is, it's, he, he drags the energy down, he's bad, he's a space cadet, and it just needs to stop. Anyways. He didn't know he was supposed to check in. I know, dude. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. All right, this has been Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment therapy, and in the case of Thursday's speculation. Reckless speculation. We'll see you guys over on Purple Daily. This is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. When Tyreek Hill signed with the Miami Dolphins, we all thought, what the hell is he doing? What made many scratch their heads even further was comments praising Tua's accuracy. In fact, people got tired of listening to Tyreek Hill. They would go as far as to just tell him to just shut up and focus on football. Well, the Miami Dolphins are 7-3. Tua Tagovailoa is near 2,000 yards, 15 touchdowns with three interceptions, not to mention the Dolphins now sit at the top of the AFC East. Well, they can hear you now, Tyreek. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget, BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf exists at BetOnline.net as well. Head to the website today or use a mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Searching for the perfect gift idea for that hard-to-buy person on your list? The Allbirds Wool Runner is a natural fit. It's made from ZQ-certified merino wool, a naturally cozy material with low environmental impact. And Allbirds offsets the carbon footprint, making the Wool Runner carbon neutral, so you can take comfort in treading lighter. This holiday season, give tidings of comfort and coziness with the Allbirds Wool Runner. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com.